Can we, uh, uh, I don't know if you know this monitor right here, Kevin, if we can kill the monitor. Maybe I'll just push power. Ta-da. There, there. No buzzing at me today. Okay. Um, let me pray once more. Father, we, we give you praise because you answer prayer and you do more than what we expect. And, and we love that. And, and we know you're not a vending machine. We know you're not, uh, you know, handing out cash right and left, win the lottery. You know, we, we know that's not how you are. And yet, when the need is there and we lift it up to you, you just step in and, and you bless. And so I thank you for blessing Lori and their family and, and just confirming your presence at a time where there's mourning. That's so awesome that, that you were clearly there in a very powerful way. So we thank you. Father, I pray as we look at the word this morning that you would open our hearts to it, to understand it, and to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, Lori was actually the intro to the sermon. I think that was a good one. Um, my best one yet, right? And uh, so I want us to turn to John chapter 17. <clears throat> this is the end of our uh, series, uh, Never Stop Praying, but we're not going to stop praying, so it's not the end. So um, John 17:20. Jesus has been praying for himself, he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for us. The prayer we're looking at, this part of the prayer, is directly for you and me. He's addressing you and me. He's addressing his Father concerning you and me. Here it is, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for all I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me, And have loved them even as you've loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am. To see my glory. The glory you've given me. Because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father. Though the world doesn't know you. I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I've made you known to them. And will continue to make you known. Nor that the love you have for me may be in them. And that I myself may be in them. Awesome prayer, awesome ending, and it's for you and me. <clears throat> it is uh, Pastor Larry Osborne of North, North Coast Church that writes this. I'm going to paraphrase him. He says, you notice in verse 20 that Jesus predicts the growth of the church, but he prays for the unity of the church. You catch that? That's a great observation. In verse 20, you see... Jesus predicts that the church is going to grow. And that, that's actually really encouraging because the disciples are going to scatter, right? Jesus is going to be arrested. That's like chapter 18. That's right there. Jesus will be arrested. Disciples will scatter. Peter's going to deny him. and then Jesus, But Jesus still prays. Everyone's going to, all these people are going to believe in their message. You. You are going to believe in their message. He predicts the growth of the church. The, the gates of hell can't stand against it. It's just a fact. But he prays for the unity of the church to make 
us one. This is one of those prayer requests that I think people are, are <clears throat> we look at this and we go, is God fulfilling this request? Do we see this today? How does that work? Well, <clears throat> when Jesus says, make them one, I think the Apostle Paul fills in a lot of blanks for us in Ephesians 4. Would you look at Ephesians 4 before we get on to the rest of the prayer? When we talk about making people one, we ought to think about what ways are we made one. <clears throat> now, what he says is, you know, I'm in them, they're in me, Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. So there, there's a Trinitarian part of this thing, you know. It, it, it's, it's the fact that Jesus and the Father are one, we're supposed to be one, and we're one with Jesus. So there's all this oneness going around. So the Trinity is the example for us of what Jesus means by oneness. You want to know what oneness is? Check out the Trinity. You know, the Trinity, there, there's three persons, but, but they're one God, one, one being, one, one God. And, and, they, and they do different things. They have different roles, and, and they love each other. In fact, we know that God was never lonely. God didn't make human beings because he had a bad day and he wanted someone to talk to. He, he has a relationship with himself, and it's loving, and it's united, and, and Jesus submits to the Father's will, voluntarily submitting himself. You know that uh, prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus says, you know, oh, may this, let this cup pass from me. If it's possible, let this cup pass. And then he says, but not my will, but your will. And I think we spend a lot of time thinking about the not my will, but your will. But, but think about the let, the let the cup pass. Let the cup pass. So Jesus, you're, you're telling me, if, if, I, if I take that statement at face value, you know the Father's will is for you to go to the cross. But are you telling me there's a part of you that would rather not do it that way? Why, why in that terribly... Isn't there another way to make this happen? Isn't there another way to bear the sins of the world? There's not. The Father's will. So, so we know Jesus is going to submit, but he's going to have his own thoughts about it. Because even though they're one, they're different persons. That's mysterious, but the Scripture just shows us it and says that's how it is. That's how it is to be God. Three in one. Three persons. One being with, with different thoughts. And yet one thought the will of God, the will of the Father. Man, okay. <clears throat> so, here we go. Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. <clears throat> there goes my voice. <clears throat> okay. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. I'd like to break down the ones in that verse. Can I just break it down a little bit, all the different ones there? What's the first one? One body. You know, we are one body. Christ has made us one. And that's an awesome truth because 
he's praying right now, and a Jewish audience is listening to him. You know, the disciples are Jewish, right? And yet he knows there's going to be Gentiles coming in, and they're going to be from all these different nations. They're going to have different personalities, different preferences, different thoughts, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different ways of talking, different cultural uh, uh, customs that they just do. And worship's going to look different in this place and that place and how they preach the word here and preach the word there. It's going to be very, very different. And yet Jesus says, actually, it's one body. It's only one. So we have denominations. We have denominations. And I think that can be good and it can be bad. It can be good... If a group of churches gather together and say, we're uniting under these doctrinal distinctions. You know, we're uniting because, you know, this is the way we're doing church. It's kind of a bad thing when it's like, we're starting this denomination because we're mad at you guys. You guys are the bad guys, and so we need to do this. You know, we need to do our own thing. There's good and there's bad. And I don't know, can you say there's more good, more bad? I'll let you talk about that over lunch. But I know there's good and bad there. I, I know some people separate for the right reasons. And so I can't fault. I, the EFCA started, I believe, for the right historical reasons because they broke off from churches that were serving communion to people who didn't believe at all. It was just like everybody takes communion. That's what we do. You don't have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and, and the EFCA pioneer said, no. Communion is for believers only. That, that was one of the big things that started this whole this whole movement of free churches. Um, secondly, he says, there's one spirit. So there's one spirit. We've, we've all drunk from that, that spirit. He, he lives in us. And so, of course, I find it interesting that, that we have spirit-filled churches and non-spirit-filled churches. And yet... If we take this seriously, all churches are spirit-filled. You know, there's not Pentecostal churches and non-Pentecostal churches and charismatic and non. I mean, we all have the spirit. That that's the clear teaching of Scripture. And so I find it interesting that one of the ways we divide, I think, in a negative way, is there there are Christians that believe they have uh, more of the spirit. Sometimes it's called a second blessing. And I've been baptized in the Spirit, but you haven't, it's, it's been said. I, I, don't, I don't find that notion in Scripture at all. I, think, I believe that's false. We all have the Spirit. We've all been baptized into the body, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians. All of us. There's no two levels of, like, salvation's one level, and then, and then the Spirit is the second level. We, we all got the Spirit. Whether we submit to Him is another story. But we all have Him. One spirit. We ought not to divide. Even though, if you want to know, uh, obviously we don't speak in tongues in our church services. I know there's people in this church that speak in tongues. I, I have no issue. I have, I have no issue there. We don't do it in a worship service on Sunday morning. And so I've always said to people, I've said to folks, if, if you want a more charismatic worship experience, there are churches that give you that. We, we bless you to go there. We love you. You can stay here, but if you want that, there's places that do that. That's great. There's one spirit. I'm not anti-Pentecostal church. I just wish and I pray for an understanding that we all have the Spirit of God. Some of us are just more submitted than others. 
to the Spirit of God living in us. So there's one Spirit. There's also one hope. There's one hope. In other words, our hope is yet to come. Our hope's in heaven. Our hope is heaven. It, it's, it's, we're saved now, but we'll see the salvation in a more clear way when we're in heaven and, and we realize we're with God and He's not holding us accountable for our sins. We're, we're going to stand before the judge. Hope, it's to come. And yet we know that in, in many churches today, there's a prosperity gospel. There, there's a hope in, in, in this life that God's going to make you rich in this life. He's going to make you healthy and wealthy in this life. And, and the hope becomes what's right in front of me instead of what's to come. Hope is to come. Jesus is coming back. We look to the skies. He's coming back. We don't look and say, God, you know, you, you need to do this and, and make me wealthy. And that's, that's, that's not the hope. That's not the hope. We have one hope. By the way, I do believe God does bless people with wealth. I believe he entrusts wealth to people to use well. I totally believe that. Uh, next, one Lord. We have one Lord, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we know there are cults, uh, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and what they want to do, and others, what they want to do is bring Jesus down to the level of a man, just a man, not God. They want to say, you know, Jesus and Satan are brothers. They want to diminish the work of the cross. How must I be saved, you might ask one of them, and they'd say, come to one of our Bible studies. You've got to do that, you know. And it's like, no, how must I be saved? That's what I love asking when I talk to people. You know, I, what must I do to be saved? And you won't hear believe. He'll come back with us and we'll, no, tell me now. It, it's not doing. I don't have to do anything. I just have to receive. We have one Lord. And so when you see Jesus diminished, that's divisive, and actually, it's evil. We have one Lord, and that's the Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we also have one faith. We have one faith. You know, faith is belief, right? So, so communion reminds us that our faith is in the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. We have one faith, and yet, in denominations, we have doctrinal differences, and I'm okay with doctrinal differences, but you also know people can take minor doctrines, blow them out of proportion, and, and then separate because of them. Because you're a Calvinist, and I'm, I'm an Arminian, and so I, I don't trust you, you know? And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. D- don't take these doctrines and, and elevate them to the importance of the one faith. We've got one faith. Every Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church, we, we, we have one faith. We have so much in common with our uh, other churches and their believers, you know, because we have one faith. And they may believe differently on this or that. I'm not too worried about those smaller things. I'm worried about the one faith. I'm not so worried about how they treat the book of Revelation I'm concerned about the one faith. If you get the gospel wrong, then Paul says in Galatians 1, you're anathema. You're, you're eternally condemned. That's the one faith we're talking about in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on, you know, and he says, there's one baptism. Oh, man, we love separating over this, you know. Do you sprinkle or do you dunk, you know? Uh, 
Can you do it at infancy or in adulthood? We have all sorts of differences here. And, and we, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. We can get bent out of shape about this. Um, I don't. I try not to get bent out of shape. Uh, I, I, th- I think the only thing that really, that really gets me and, and, and makes me say, no, no, we've got to draw a line here, is, is this idea that baptism actually literally washes away sin instead of it being an example of how your sin is washed away, uh, a symbol of how your sin's washed away. Uh, I got baptized. I'm good. I can sin all I want. No, not really. Not really. That's not baptism. It doesn't actually wash your sin away. But it's a symbol that you've been washed. So um, I, I don't get hung up on that. I, I don't. And then uh, finally, there is uh, one God and Father of all. Just summarizing this whole thing, we've got one God and one Father. That's who he is. That's who we worship. All Bible-believing, gospel-believing churches, they're worshiping one God. And so... A lot of people have noted that on Sunday morning, they say it's the most segregated hour, you know, in the American life. And I know what they mean, but on the other hand, I also see something very positive in that there's all of these churches proclaiming the gospel. I know some of them aren't, and, and shame on them for not proclaiming the gospel, and you, you know those churches too. But for the ones that proclaim the gospel of Christ, we're one. And if they're two blocks away, two miles away, or 200 miles away, we're one. We're one. And so I don't get worried, and I want you not to be worried if people go to this church or that church, if they're here for a while and decide to land somewhere else. We're the church. And whoever God gathers here, we're one. We are one. One faith. One Lord. So don't worry about those things. We're one. And in the Trinity, I love this, in the Trinity there's different roles. The Son submits to the Father and, and, and carries out the work of the cross. The Holy Spirit applies salvation to the believer and fills the believer up. The Spirit is supposed to create intimacy between the believer and the Father. They have different functions that they're doing. Isn't that true of churches too? Don't some churches reach young people a little better than others? And, and don't some churches appeal? I mean, I, I believe in Wisconsin, the EFCA has the, the, the motorcycle churches, you know, the guys ride in in their Harleys, and they do church, and they got their leather on. Now, they could come here, and they'd be totally welcomed. You know, that'd be great. But that probably wouldn't be our main emphasis in the Northwoods, you know? We'd be like the, we'd be like the, the boating church or the, the snowmobiling church. I don't know, you know. But, but, but we have our own emphasis on the culture we have here. You know, we have a, a distinct culture. So it's cool that there's different churches. The point is, I can walk into a church in Uganda that I've never been in before, and feel totally comfortable in a three-and-a-half-hour service in, 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 the, in the non-climate-controlled building, you know. I can feel totally at home. And the pastor comes up and talks to me. And then he, comes, he visits me a few days later at, the, at the, uh, uh, the hotel I was staying at. You know, I mean, that's just that's the church. That's just how it works. Walk in. Some of you have been in that cross-cultural thing, and you're like, how did I feel so at home here? That's the church. I am shocked, but it's already 10.15. I cannot believe that. Okay. So, um, let's do this. Let's do this. How do we become one? How do we become one? Um, look at John 17. He says in verse 22, I've given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. So, 
How are we made one? We be given the glory of God. Now, now the glory is like his beauty. It's, it's, it's the beauty of his, his attributes and his character. It's, it's like when the disciples went on the mountain and Jesus shone in all of his glory and the Father said, this is my beloved Son. You, you, so you see the love that Father has for the Son. That's glorious love. I mean, the love of the Trinity, that's beautiful. And, and they saw that. They heard it. They're like, look, we're going to stay here forever. Let's make some tents. You know, let, let's, let's stay here. Um, so what is the glory we've been given? And I think in this passage, there's two options for you. Another good lunch conversation. If the glory makes us one, if the glory is the super glue, if, if the glory is the, uh, you know how you, you go on vacation sometimes and you're out of the state and you see someone wearing the Wisconsin shirt and you're like, yeah, you know, Wisconsin, <laughs> right? That, that, that's that identifying thing where you're like, I see you, you identify with me, I identify with you, we both wore Packers stuff, you know, whatever it is, the glory is what identifies us. The glory is when you walk into a church building thousands of miles away and say, praise God, I want to praise God with these people. God is glorious. And what is that glory? Okay, that's what I want. What is the glory? I know it's a super glue. I know it's the, the identifying mark. We've all been giving glory. What is it? Well, if you look at the end of the passage, this is what Jesus says. Father, I want those, this is verse 24, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. I want them to be with me and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me. This awesome love between Jesus and his Father, Jesus wants us to see it. One day we'll see it. We'll be in heaven. We'll see the glory. But he's given it to us even now. And I believe the way we understand this is over and over he says in verse, uh, uh, let's see, you know, verse 21 at the end, uh, or let's do the whole verse, all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. So Jesus is in the Father. Father's in Jesus. We're in Jesus. Father's in us. We're in the Father. There's all this in and out, and we're in him, and he's in us. So my understanding is we are united to Christ. Christ is sitting in heaven in glory, and we're there too. We said that last week. We're somehow there too because we're united in our spirit with Jesus. You know, think about that all day. Think about that all week. I'm united to Jesus, so I'm there with him, and part of the glory I have now is the glory of being united to him. I'm crucified with Christ. Now he lives in me. It's glorious. And so you meet somebody, and you realize, oh, they're united to Christ too. They're like me. They love him. They serve him. They go to a different church. They go to the church down the street, but they love him. We could be buddies, you know. We're together on this. That's why... If you let denominations and church buildings dictate who your friends can be, that's no good. We're one. We all have the glory of Christ in us. Uh, so another scholar suggested, I want to point out, there's one other option of what this glory is, just so you see it. I mean, you kind of know where I stand on it. But um, when Jesus, at the beginning of his prayer, uh, he says in, in chapter 17, verse 1, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. 
we said earlier the cross is glorious and the cross is Jesus' mission. So some people believe that when Jesus gives us his glory, what that means is we're doing what he does. We're on his mission. We're sharing with the lost. We're helping the poor. You know, when we take the benevolence offering today, that's glorious. That's glorious because a lot of people don't care about the poor. We care. A lot of people don't care when someone else is in need. They say, I got needs too. I can't care about your needs. No, we care about your needs. Glorious. So, you know, talk over lunch. What do you think the glory is that God gave us that makes us one? Is it, is it being united to Jesus? Or is it being on the same mission with Jesus? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's both. But he's given us glory. And the glory is a super glue. And that's why when you meet a Christian, you can often recognize it. The way they talk. You mentioned Jesus and the eyes light up. You know? You see it. They're wearing the shirt. The Jesus shirt. Not literally, but you see it. Uh, Finally and lastly, why are we made one? Why does God make us one? To testify to the world. It's a testimony. So... Jesus says, uh, verse 23, May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. The reason God makes us one is so people will look at us and say, Oh, that's interesting. Those people get along. Now, maybe you wince a little bit because we don't always get along. But we push into those places so that we do preserve the peace. We make every effort. That's why we push into those places so that when the world sees us, they say, they're different. Because because normally uh, someone ticks me off and and, uh, they're out. You know, I, I kick them out. They've pursued this. They've worked on this. It was hard. You've seen conflict. I believe conflict's part of this because Satan hates the church. And Satan knows the words of God. He can quote them too. And he knows that when the church fights, the mission of God looks less glorious when the church fights. People don't buy into it when the church fights. When the church reconciles, though, after the fight, glory. Glory. So I know fights will come, conflicts will come. We all have different personalities, different ways of looking at things, different backgrounds. They will come. When they're resolved, glory. Glory. And people see it and go, I'd like into a group of people that will fight, and yet this is the result. Glory. I'd like to encourage you just to be what Paul says, making every effort to keep the unity of the body through the bond of peace. What would you do? What glorious thing can you do to help maintain that? Certainly you pray for it. You pursue it. Pray like Jesus prayed for it. We'll do that a little later uh, in the library if you join us for that prayer time. Lastly, I want to close with this. What are some ways this year we can emphasize prayer in the church in a greater way. I'm going to leave you with this. What are some practical ways we can emphasize prayer in this place? First one. You don't have to write these down if you don't want to, you know, but 
you should see these coming up. Prayer and community groups. I see our small groups as places where we invest in each other, we counsel each other, we comfort each other, and we pray for each other. That's what we do. So when someone shares something going on in your life, I want that small group person to say, I'm praying about that this week. That should just be a no-brainer. Prayer in our community groups. We've got to invest in each other. Uh, next, Sunday morning prayer before service. Uh, 8.30, we have a prayer meeting in my office. I'm never there. I'm always doing something. But there's people in there praying over what happens here. Would some of you join them? Would some of you join them? Could we outgrow my office? That would be awesome. 8.30, pray what happens on a Sunday morning because my preaching is prayer-fueled. I believe that. And if you like the messages you hear, understand some of that is because God heard people talking to him at 8.30 and said, yeah, I'm going to make this one a good one. <laughs> All right? If it was a bad one, you can get on those prayer people and say, what's going on in there? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I do believe what we see on Sunday morning happening is a result of the time at 8.30. I totally believe that. I totally believe it. Next. Uh, monthly prayer meeting during cross-training. I like to discuss the sermon, but we also want to keep moving with prayer together during the cross-training time. Next. Uh, War Room movies this weekend. We talked about that already. That's a prayer-focused movie. Next. Uh, seize opportunities. Last week, I saw, I had the privilege of seeing three different groups of people praying spontaneously after the service. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't the library people. We were praying too. But I saw three different groups of people that were like three huddles. And they were praying for each other. Do you know how great that is? Spontaneous. I didn't plan it. I didn't do it. It just happened. This is a house of prayer. Let's make it that way. So if someone shares with someone to you in the fellowship hall over coffee, and you're like, wow, that is heavy. I'll pray for you, brother. That's good. How about now? How about now? Get a little huddle. Pray. And other people are going to see it and go, boy, I should be doing that too, you know? It's awkward, maybe, but pray. Is that my list? Do I have any more? I think i got one more, maybe. Oh, two more, maybe. Prayer testimonies like the one you heard today. If God's answering prayer, would you tell me about it? And then, if you're brave, would you say it up here and tell us about it? Because we want to hear how the Spirit of God's moving here. We want to hear it. I want to hear it. If you tell me you won't stand up here, that's okay. Maybe we could video you or... I don't know. I don't know. But let's hear. Uh, next. Finally, uh, James says, if you're sick, something's going on, call the elders. Uh, would you take advantage of the elders more often? I'm asking you to call us. If something's going on and you would like prayer, anointing with oil, I would... It's, it's like the best parts of my week to, to gather with the elders and lay hands on people and pray for them. I, I love that. I love that. Take advantage of it. It's biblical. James says, do it. Do it. Call the elders. So give us a call and we'll come to you. You can come to us, however it works, and we'll pray for you. It's a Sunday morning. Catch us. You know, Catch Dave Ogren. Catch Bill Miller and say, hey, I need prayer. And we'll pray for you right there. I usually try to keep oil in my, uh, my bag with my materials, and I just, I just have am ready. I'm ready. So we'll do that. Um, 
So there it is. I'm sure we'll add more to the list of what, how we'll do prayer this year. But um, would, would you just make it in your life the emphasis of this year? I haven't done well in praying. This is the year I'm really going to press in with my prayer life, my personal prayer life. Let me pray for you, and then we'll be uh, dismissed for the morning. Would you stand with me? Father, we stand as one, as one body. We stand with other believers who are meeting right now or have already met or met on Saturday night. We stand with them as one body, the capital C Church. And we love them. And we love you. Father, would you protect our church and keep the unity of it? When there's dissension, would you settle it? Where there's hurt, would you bring reconciliation and healing? Where there's disturbed thoughts or emotions, would you bring peace? And may we keep the unity of the Spirit through that bond of peace. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.